Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone. Happy Father's Day to you dads. Uh, I've been a dad for 40 years. Woo, long time. <laughs> uh, granddad stage. Great stage to be in. Granddad stage. Uh, we're in a series called Family Matters. We're wrapping it up today. <clears throat> if you missed one of the past ones, want to hear it again, you can either go Facebook or uh, on our website is the audio. Today's topic, obviously, is about parenting. What do kids need most? The interesting thing about life is, whether you're a parent or not, is there are seasons of life. High school, college, young adult, married, if you get married, um, you know, work stages, uh, some of you are in retirement maybe, uh, stages of life. Well, there's stages in parenting also, of course, you know, the newborn, the toddler stages, and the uh, you know, ch- uh, kids or children stage, and middle school and high school and all these different stages. Uh, and I always tell parents, don't be too anxious for them to move from one stage to the other. Because sometimes it can feel a little frustrating, right? But once our kids are raised, and once they're raised, you look back and say, wow, that went so quickly. So enjoy each stage uh, of parenting. Now, is it possible to raise what we're going to call healthy kids in today's society? Well, uh, maybe every generation thought it was going to be difficult, but I would certainly think it's difficult now. But that doesn't mean it can't be done, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. <clears throat> so my goal this morning is to encourage you. Sometimes we do these, these uh, teachings, we feel like we're failures. So that's not my goal, and hopefully this will be encouraging to you and helpful to you uh, in all your relationships. Some of you don't have children. Of course, all your children are grown. These principles work in, in all relationships, or most of them. And I also want to remind you parents and children that God chose your parents for you and you for your parents out of all the parents and kids in the world. So thank God for that. For whatever reason, God decided that you were the perfect match. Um, So we're going to look at some principles, uh, things that kids need, probably all of us need. We're going to look at something a guy by the name of Paul wrote. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he wrote similar things in, in several places. So we could pretty much read this same account in a, uh, a letter he wrote to a church called Ephesus. And we're going to read it from uh, Colossians. Uh, just some general quick uh, instructions in uh, family life. <clears throat> so we'll have verses on the screen or on your, on your outline. You can, if you prefer some other translation, feel free to, to look that up. <clears throat> so one thing kids need is to be taught responsibility. And those of you who have been here for about six, seven weeks, remember the last series we did was what? Take responsibility for your life. So we talked about how important that is. So as parents, it's important for us to teach our kids to be responsible. So we challenge them in different areas of their life, school area, financial area. Maybe they take piano lessons or horseback riding lessons or some other lessons. Find that they like some things, find that they don't like some things. I'm kind of a sports guy, and none of my kids are really much into sports, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, you don't force your kids to do what you like. You find out what they like and their likes and what their passions are and things they're good at. Because that's part of being responsible. So how do you teach responsibility? Well, you have to give them responsibility. The hard part is, are they going to mess up? Let me ask you, did you mess up? Yes, absolutely. Part of learning responsibility is messing up. 
dropping a ball, not being responsible, and hopefully learning from that experience. If we don't give our kids responsibility, will they learn to be responsible? No, they can't. So this is part, a really important part of being a parent is to teach our kids responsibility. There's too much irresponsibility in our society, I think most of you would agree. So we're going to look at Colossians starting in chapter 3, verse 16. <clears throat> Paul said this, Let the message about Christ and all its richness live in your hearts and make you wise. And we could talk about wisdom in lots of different areas. I just want to make the application of responsibility. If my kids are wise, they're going to be responsible. If I want them to be responsible, I, they've got to be wise. Of course, we think the greatest source of wisdom is, is Jesus, but if you're not a Jesus follower, we welcome you here, and we think these principles will work for you. Three goals of parenting. We start off with the kids are small. Parents are control of everything. What they eat, when they eat, when they go to bed, what they wear, you know, don't play in the street, don't touch hot stuff. You know, we are in complete control. It's interesting, uh, and the, of the whole animal kingdom, if you will, <clears throat> uh, it takes the longest for humans to grow into adults than any, any other uh, part of species, uh, which is interesting to me because we're the highest intelligence, yet we takes the longest for us to grow into adulthood. So eventually we get to the second stage, which is self-control in the middle years. You want to teach your child to get to the place where they decide to eat, not to eat, when to shower, uh, what clothes to wear, etc., how to spend their time, how to spend their money, uh, self-control in the middle years, and eventually into uh, adulthood. But also, for those of us who are Jesus followers, this was our goal as parents, is that God control for the rest of their lives. So, if they were going to live positive, successful, happy lives in adulthood, we thought that was the most important thing, <clears throat> that God would have control. So, for example, most of you know, and I've said this many times, I didn't want to be a pastor. If I had my way, I'd been, I'd been something else. But I gave my control of my life to God, and so I've been a pastor for 40 years. We want our kids to do that. They may have a desire to be one thing, but you know, God knows best, and God knows how he wired me and knows how he wires your kids. So we want them to have God control for their lives. That's going to be included in all these different things we're going to be talking about this morning. So <clears throat> they need to be taught responsibility. Another thing children need, all of us probably need, is to be counseled, to be taught things we don't know and, and given, again, shared wisdom. How do you judge that your child is a success or not? Well, there's lots of ways you could do that. But I think one of the ways I judge and I think is important is what value system does my child adopt it? And if they're Christian, great. If it's not Christian, what, what value system do they have? What's important? What are the do's and don'ts? <clears throat> and once they have established that value system, are they consistent in living that, that, out those values? We use that word integrity for that. Is their word their bond? Is their beliefs uh, true? Do they live out their beliefs? One of these strange things we hear in society is this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It's the silliest thing. Because it's certainly not true, is it? 
I always use the illustration. I've got tea in my uh, front, uh, drink to drink over here. <coughs> it could be something else. It could be poison. I sincerely believed it was tea, but if it was poison, what? I'd be dead. Sincerely dead, I guess. Uh, another example would be this. Jesus teaches we should love our enemies. There's some cannibal tribes that say you eat your enemies. That's a huge difference, isn't it? So your value system matters. <clears throat> so we need to counsel our children on uh, their value system. Paul puts it this way, verse 16. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. So again, <clears throat> share your wisdom with your, with your children. Then he brings in the spiritual component. Sing ha- psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. <coughs> Excuse me. To God with thankful hearts. Now, thanksgiving is a huge part of what we hope to teach our children, isn't it? Uh, I don't know what it is about human nature, but we tend not to be thankful. And it's easy to complain about what we don't have or to be thankful for what we do have. And especially if you're a Jesus follower, we thank you for your salvation you have and all, all the things. Thank you for your kids. You have a spouse, uh, families, uh, jobs, income, health. All those things should be thankful so we need to teach our kids that. And the, heart, and the more affluent a society is, the harder it is, that is to do. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what ministries you're involved with, you're a Jesus follower, but if you have children, <laughs> that is a ministry, a major ministry for you. And we're going to put it this way in the teaching today. You can't raise kids, quality kids, in your spare time. <clears throat> you're a parent 24-7. Now, we, we love the empty nest. Our kids are grown. They're not home anymore. They're still our kids, and we still pour into them. Uh, but it doesn't take as much time. You can't raise quality kids in your spare time. Another thing Paul said that was uh, important for us as parents, and probably for everyone, but especially Jesus followers, is that you be a consistent example how, would, how do your kids react to inconsistency? Like, this is wrong today, but it's okay tomorrow. Uh, you should do this. No, you shouldn't do that. That's confusing. It's frustrating. It even can bring about uh, bitterness from a child because it's so confusing. So be careful what you promise your kids. Now, I try not to promise my kids much, but even if I said something like, we are going to do this today, to a kid, that's a promise. And so it's important for us to fulfill our promises, to be consistent in that. Now, <clears throat> is life fair? We ask that question a lot, right? Life's not fair. We, we know life's not fair. But we need to be as fair, actually better than fair in our parenting. What I mean by that, is God fair with us? I hope he's not fair. <laughs> God's not fair with us. He has shown us mercy and grace. And so as a parent, I need to be more than fair. I need to show mercy and grace. Part of this consistent example is to say what I do and do what I say. Horrible parenting, you know this, is to say, don't do what I do, do what I say. No, kids are going to learn from what you do. That's why being an example is so important. So if you say, don't lie, somebody calls on the phone, you say, tell them I'm not here. What did they just learn? It's okay to lie. 
Paul puts it this way. Whatever you do or say, doing and saying, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him, to God the Father. <clears throat> so we represent, those of us Jesus followers, represent Jesus. So we have a higher calling, a huge example. We've got God as a Father, the perfect Heavenly Father, as an example for us as parents or as dads. Uh, the next thing parent, uh, children need, we all need, is kind of a no-brainer. Uh, you, you know this as a parent. They need to be loved. You need to be loved. Now, I learned this uh, many years ago. The most important thing, couples, if you're together, parents are together, the most important thing you can do for your children is to love each other. A loving couple is a huge representative or a huge role model for kids. That shows stability. That shows that they are loved because we love each other. And so Paul addresses it, that relationship first. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now love and submit are kind of (coughs) like, excuse me, synonyms. Now when the world talks about love, it talks about consumption. You know, I love this restaurant because I get to consume this great food. But when the Bible talks about love, it talks about it as submission. It talks about it as sacrifice. It talks about doing what's best for the other person. It's just the opposite of consumption. That's a good way to test when you use that word love. Is it about consumption or is it about sacrifice? Now, let me ask you, is love natural? If you were here last week, James told us what is natural. <clears throat> Why do you have conflict? Nobody was here last week. Okay, I guess I've, nobody was here last week. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from your selfish desires. Remember that. So what's natural? Selfishness. Love is, again, the opposite of that. It's not about me. It's about you. <clears throat> So we have to learn love. We said it a week or so ago. Like is a feeling. Love is a decision. And it can be learned. And it means that we love that person warts and all. It's easy to love a lovable person. None of us are perfect, but if we had a perfect spouse, my wife's close. If we had a perfect spouse, it'd be easy to love. Perfect kids, it'd be easy to love. But there are no perfect Spouses, no perfect children. So we need to submit. And the first thing we need to submit, the most important submission we have is, of course, to Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week. We all, outside of a relationship with Jesus, God through Jesus, we have internal conflict with God. God, the Creator, wants to have a relationship with us, and we're pushing Him away. And that's a conflict. So if we want to have solid marriages, we want to have solid families, we want to be good parents, we need to deal with that conflict. And submit our will to God. So I don't want to say, I'm going to be the parent I want to be. I want to be the parent God wants me to be. And that may be different. Probably is different. <clears throat> Another way to say this, you have to be all in. All into your marriage, 24-7, 100%. All in in parenting. Now, 
three ways to express love. This, this isn't new to anybody, but I just wanted to remind you folks. First is affection. Kids need touches, they need hugs, they need kisses. The problem is they get older, sometimes we have to adjust that, right? What's appropriate and what's acceptable and when or where to do it. Maybe not in public. But your kids are never get too old to, get, to have a hug, uh, put your arm around them, whatever. We all need affection. Second, we all need affirmation. We need someone to say nice things to us. We need somebody to affirm us, to say, hey, you're, you're a great kid. Um, you do a great job at, at whatever. And you say, my son does a great job playing the guitar, whatever it might be. Affir- affirmation. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a, in a minute, how important that is. <clears throat> then attention or time. Uh, the statistics are horrible about guy, dads, guys. Uh, the amount of time we spend with our kids is statistically is horrible. I know a lot of you dads, and I know you do, do a much better job than that. But we have to get, give, give them our time. And we're busy. We've got jobs and, and so forth. I know that. Best way you can show that you matter to me is to give you my time. Uh, how did God proved to us that he loved us by sending his son Jesus to die for us. Uh, he sacrificed for us. He didn't think of himself, he thought of us. He put us first. And so that, in loving our children, that has to be a priority. Another thing children need, and this is, uh, dovetails on this last one, be loved. <clears throat> we don't often think about it that way is to be disciplined. The Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. Discipline goes hand in hand with love. It's unloving not to discipline a child. If you don't discipline a child, they become a, I don't know what, a spoiled brat, I guess, right? Uh, they could be, could get, they're out of control. It's not good for them. It's not for good for you. It's not good for society. <clears throat> Excuse me again. So discipline is an act of love. Paul put it this way in, in, in Colossians. He says, children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Now I thought back to one of the Ten Commandments. But it doesn't use the word obey. What's the word does it use? It says honor, doesn't it? Which is interesting, because once you become an adult, are you responsible to obey your parents? No, no. You're, you're responsible for your own life at that point. Uh, as an adult, are you still supposed to honor your parents? Absolutely, that never ends to the day they die. Always honor your parents. Obey your parents when you're still under their authority. It's important because we're all under authority. We feel, most of us feel we're under authority of God, under authority of our nation. Kids go to school and they're under authority of their teachers and the school system, uh, government, uh, laws, and etc. Now when I talk about discipline, I always have to address this topic of another word we use sometimes simultaneously, but they're completely different. <clears throat> and that's the word punishment. Punishment as opposed to the word discipline. They're actually kind of opposites. What is the purpose of punishment? Punishment is to inflict a penalty. 
Our, our, our prison system does it. You've done this wrong, this is your penalty. You're in prison for a certain amount of time. Discipline is completely different. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. And hopefully the prison system does that, I don't know. <clears throat> so you've done this, let's figure out <coughs> how we can help you not do this in the future or to do better in the future. That brings up the second point, the focus. The focus of discipline and punishment is the past. You did this, we're going to punish you for it. Discipline is always focused on the future. Okay, again, had this problem, let's figure out a way to not be a problem anymore. Let's figure out a way that, to improve in this area of our life, whether it's financial or whatever it might be. And the third one's important too, attitude. <clears throat> Often, punishment comes out of anger. Uh, we're upset. It, it, it's about making us feel better, not necessarily about helping our child. Don't ever do that. Uh, discipline should be out of love, what's best, and uh, for the one we love, in this case, one of our children. Uh, important question. Does God punish us? God punish you? Kind of a trick question. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> God never inflicts a penny on us just for the purpose of, uh, of hurting us. And besides, Jesus came to take our punishment. As amazing as that is, God loves us enough, I'm going to punish my son in your place. Have any of you ever agreed to take the punishment for your sibling, for example? I never did that. But God did that for all of us. So God punished Jesus so he didn't have to punish you and I. We are spared if we receive that that offering and that gift for us. Does God discipline us? Absolutely. He disciplines us again. Why? Because he loves us. <clears throat> James Dobson taught me this a long time ago. The big goal of parenting is this, to break the child's will <clears throat> without breaking his spirit. The child's will is to be selfish. And so we don't want them to be selfish. And you don't function well in society if you're a selfish person. So we have to break that selfishness through discipline. But we don't want to break their spirit. We don't want to discourage them. We're going to talk about that in the next point here. Someone said to discipline this way. Do it quickly, calmly, and sparingly. Now do it quickly as long as you can do it calmly. <coughs> so when you're calm as quickly as possible, discipline, and then do it sparingly. As a parent, I had rules, and usually if our children broke those rules, they got this discipline. They, they knew that ahead of time. And then we, we learned a, a, what was called parenting by grace. And we realized God doesn't always discipline for us for the stuff we do. Sometimes he's just gracious to us. And one of the most powerful ways you can discipline your child is to say, hey, you, you broke this rule. <clears throat> Here's what should happen. But I'm going to choose to show you grace. And I'm not going to punish you right now. Can you imagine what kind of impact that has on your child? Now, I'm not talking about just letting them get away with everything. Talk through that process with them. <clears throat> so children need to be disciplined. <clears throat> Next, children need to be encouraged. We all need this. And I came across this 
question, uh, it, it was interesting to me. So what should be the goal of high school? Well, teach certain stuff to they're ready to go on with life. What should be the goal of high school? And the author was saying this. A third grader, 85% of third graders have good self-esteem. They feel pretty good about themselves. 85%. Guess what it is for graduating seniors? Five percent. Five percent. So what's happened between third grade and twelfth grade? Is that what we want to happen? I don't think that's what we want to happen. Our children have become uh, have come have low self-esteem. They are discouraged, not encouraged. And part of that, sometimes we're unpleasable parents. Your kids bring home C's. You say, why didn't you get B's? They bring home B's. You say, why didn't you get A's? Bring home some A's. Why didn't you get all A's? Is that the kind of parent we are? Hopefully not. Um, That only is, we're going to read here as Paul describes it. He's addressing this to fathers in verse 21. He says, fathers? Fathers? (laughs) There we go. Do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Notice the connection between the word aggravate and discouraged. So if you're aggravating your kids, often we think our kids aggravate us, right? (laughs) But talking about us aggravating our kids, we do that. And we do that is this when we discourage them or when we're discouraging them, we're aggravating them. So you want to have confident kids? Think about it this way. If you receive 10 letters or 10 emails and nine of them is telling you how great a person you are and one said you're a, you're, you're a uh, lost cause, which one do you remember? <clears throat> you remember that one. Isn't that amazing? Even at nine to one, we probably need 20 to one. <clears throat> so as a parent, judge your support for your kids as against your um, <clears throat> discouraging your kids. Is it 10 to 1, 20 to 1? We see this on packages. I think it really works well with parenting. Handle with care. Not just when they're little. All through the age spectrum. So, you can't raise quality kids in your spare time. You've got to be all in on this. Now, I don't know how you're feeling this morning, but hopefully encouraged. These some things you probably need to be reminded of. I know I did. Maybe some things you learned. What is our goal? Perfect kids? Perfect families? No such thing, right? Healthy. We use the word healthy. We want to have healthy families raising healthy kids or quality kids. And the biggest component of that, we believe, is to be a godly person. As we submit ourselves to God, we are be a better parent, better spouse, uh, better contributor to society. Quick note about next week. Two big things are happening next week. One, we're going to do a teaching on <clears throat> you can do more together. It's about community. And hopefully you can join us for that. The other thing is we're going to do a baptismal service next Sunday morning. We haven't done one for a while. So uh, hopefully you can join us for that. And then again on in July, we're going to kick off at the movies. So let's pray together. <coughs> Thank you, God, for what your scripture has to teach us about 
parenting and about relationships and God, uh, there's a lot here to digest and uh, help each of us glean what we need to glean and apply what we need to apply. And uh, I know as a dad, I always want to do better. And, uh, most of these folks, probably all these folks wouldn't be here unless they wanted to do, to do better. We thank you that, uh, God, you did not punish us. You punished Jesus in our place. And we thank you that <clears throat> that huge sacrifice, that huge act of love, provides us a relationship with you. And so we'd like to pray for anyone here this morning that, is, that, that has not taken that step and not accepted that. Uh, the truth is, eventually we will be punished if we did not receive Jesus' punishment for us. So we'd encourage you to step across that line, accept God's love gift to you. Most of us here are Jesus followers already. God, we just thank you that you are a power source for this because it seems impossible to be the parent we need to be but we know with your strength we can, we can be better parents. We thank you for the kids that you gave us. And thank you for the life you gave us. So I pray for these folks as they go out Father's Day, celebrate. But there's 365 days in a year that we parent. And God, we thank you for your, your help in that process. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.